Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Muslims Want to Know, the show where I try to answer the questions you have about the Bible and Christianity. I'm your host, Rev. Eric Mason. Before we get to our question today, I want to remind you to hit that subscribe button and leave a review. The more reviews the podcast receives, the more it comes up as a recommendation for others. The more it comes up as a recommendation the more other folks get a chance to hear answers to their thoughtful questions. And speaking of questions, right now, if you have a specific question you want addressed on this podcast, feel free to email me at revericjmason at gmail.com. And if you want to support this podcast, you may email me at that same email address. But I have some exciting news for you. I am currently working on a website for Muslims Want to Know. And there, you will actually be able to submit questions, listen to and read full transcripts of the podcasts, and view relevant videos created for this listening audience. That website should be finished by the middle of May, but I will keep you posted once it's finished. In the meantime, if you want to connect with us, you can connect with us on Facebook at Muslims Want to Know. As always... Each podcast builds on the information from the previous ones, so if you're joining us for the first time, I recommend going back and listening to the previous episodes before resuming this one. Here is our recap. In our last few episodes, we've been exploring the nature of salvation and forgiveness of sins, especially as it relates to Easter, Lord Jesus' death on the cross, and resurrection from the grave. Together, you and I have learned that when Christians have sincere faith in the death and resurrection of Lord Jesus, we are given assurance of the forgiveness of our sins and assurance of our salvation as well. Now our question today comes from Muhammad in Little India. He asks, I am an engineer. I would never build a bridge or design a system that would fail. So why would God create a world he knew would fall? This is an excellent question for us to explore today. Before we look at the answers to our question for today, let me open with a brief prayer. God, open the eyes of our hearts that we may hear your words and understand and do your will, for we are sojourners upon the earth. Do not hide your commandments from us, but open our eyes that we may perceive the wonders of your law. Speak to us the hidden and secret things of your wisdom. Enlighten our minds and understanding with the light of your knowledge, not just to cherish those things written, but to seek after you by doing them. Amen. So, why would God create a world he knew would fall? This is a question that has been asked throughout history. Mankind is constantly confronted with the effects of sin all around us and the tragedy these effects bring about. Such effects from sin can be found in the solar system, in the destruction wrought by dead and dying stars, 
or in our ecosystem in the rise in global catastrophes. In the animal kingdom, as one animal brutally kills another, in our own societies, as majority cultures scapegoat and oppress minorities, and finally, in our own bodies, in our experience with sickness and death. Now this is a sobering list for sure, but God is sovereign over each of these spheres, just as the psalmist states in Psalm 8. Lord, our Lord, how magnificent is your name throughout the earth. You have covered the heavens with your majesty. From the mouths of infants and nursing babies, you have established a stronghold on account of your adversaries in order to silence the enemy and the avenger. When I observe your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you set in place, what is a human being that you remember him? A son of man that you look after him. You made him little less than God and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet. All the sheep and the oxen, as well as the animals in the wild, the birds of the sky and the fish of the sea that pass through the currents of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how magnificent is your name throughout the earth. That is a beautiful psalm which demonstrates God's sovereignty and majesty over everything. But from the beginning of the Bible, we are actually told why it is that every aspect of creation has been infiltrated by the effects of sin and death. This event is called the fall for a good reason. It is a tale of the fall of all creation as a result of the failed stewardship of humanity. Now of original sin and the fall, writer G.K. Chesterton wrote that original sin is the only part of Christian theology which can really be proved. By that, he meant that the effects of sin can be seen and felt every day. And yet, during the fall, in the midst of humanity's alienation from God, God gave Adam and Eve the first message of the gospel. One day an offspring of the woman would undo sin and death through a once-for-all sacrifice. So how can Christians reconcile the fall with the goodness of God? After all, the argument is that if God is all-knowing, he would have known Adam and Eve would sin. God is also all-powerful, meaning he could do something about it. And finally, God is good, meaning sin shouldn't exist at all. So why create a world he knew would fall? Usually I have a short answer for these kinds of questions, but this one's a little bit more complex. So to better answer this question, I'm going to break down the podcast into three sections. 
Section 1. God is good and free will exists. Section 2. God's eternal plan accounted for the fall of man. Section 3. God is working toward a renewal of all things for His glory. Section 1. God is good and free will exists. When Christians say that God is good, we don't mean that God is the sum of all good and perfect things. We also don't mean that goodness is just a quality that God has. We mean that his nature is goodness. That he can't act contrary to what is good, true, and right. God is also love, and to love is to will the good of the other. And when we take those two things together, we have to understand that it would not have been good or loving for God to create beings who were forced to love him. God created humans with free will. This means God made it so that humanity could freely choose to love and worship him. Adam and Eve were created, breathed into, and brought forth into a world which was pristine and good, a world which knew no sin. And before the fall, the kingdom of heaven was interwoven with the kingdom of earth. But two things were true about this pristine world. God is good, and free will exists. Humanity had the capability to choose to disobey the ultimate good. By now, you might be familiar with this story, but it bears retelling. Adam and Eve were tempted by Satan to eat the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. And this presented them with a choice. Instead of choosing to obey God, they chose to disobey God believing that by eating the fruit, they could be equal to, if not greater, than God. In an act of idolatry and pride, Adam and Eve chose to love themselves more than God, thus allowing sin to infiltrate the world. And yet, once the sin occurs in the garden, God's great rescue plan for humanity is revealed. One day, a male offspring of the woman will conquer the works of Satan, and in this process, he also will be struck. This is the Proto-Evangelion, the first telling of the good news of Lord Jesus, the Son of God who would take on flesh, give himself as a once-for-all sacrifice, and be resurrected on the third day thus undoing the works of the serpent, undoing the works of Satan. Now our first point of reflection rested on these two facts. God is good, and free will exists. These two factors set up the inevitable moment when humanity would choose to sin. The next area you and I will be looking at is just as important as this first one, 
as we continue to look at how to answer the question, why would God create a world he knew would fall? Section 2. God's eternal plan accounted for the fall of man. One of the mistakes many people make when hearing the biblical account of Adam and Eve is thinking that God reacted to the disobedience of Adam and Eve by coming up with a plan of redemption right there on the spot. To think that God reacted to their sin is to forget that God is all-knowing. But God knew the world would fall. And before time began, he not only knew of humanity's failure, but also how he would rescue and redeem humanity. And in spite of the fall, God chose to create everything and chose to redeem us through the blood of the Son of God. In his speech to the Israelites at the event of Pentecost, the Apostle Peter revealed God's eternal plan to the Jewish people. The Book of Acts, Chapter 2, Verses 22 through 28. Fellow Israelites, listen to these words. This Jesus of Nazareth was a man attested to you by God with miracles, wonders, and signs that God did among you through him, just as you yourselves know. Though he was delivered up according to God's determined plan and foreknowledge, you used lawless people to nail him to a cross and kill him. God raised him up, ending the pains of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by death. For David says of him, I saw the Lord ever before me, because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. Moreover, my flesh will rest in hope, because you will not abandon me in Hades or allow your Holy One to see decay. You have revealed the paths of life to me. You will fill me with gladness in your presence. Peter here speaks an inspired word of God when he says that he, Jesus, was delivered up according to God's determined plan and foreknowledge. Now the inspiration of Peter was not through his own wit or wisdom, but it was because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Fun fact. According to the Dictionary of Bible Themes, being filled with the Holy Spirit means being energized and controlled by the third person of the Godhead in such a way that under acknowledged lordship of Jesus Christ, the full presence and power of God are experienced. God's word, as given to humanity in the text of the Bible, as well as the very words spoken by the prophets and later the apostles, is associated with inspiration from God the Holy Spirit. Before his ascension, Lord Jesus promised his disciples that they were to go to Jerusalem and await the coming of the Holy Spirit. Ten days later, at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came on the followers of Lord Jesus in a special, permanent way. 
According to the New American Commentary on the Book of Acts, the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost was audible, visible, and manifested itself in an outward demonstration of inspired speech. When Peter stood up to address the Jewish people at Pentecost, he did not do so out of his own recollection of Scripture, nor out of his own wisdom. Instead, Peter, being filled with the Holy Spirit, was given the very words of God, revealing God's eternal plan to redeem and glorify it through the sending of his Son. Now once again, let's take stock of our previous answers to Muhammad's question, why would God create a world he knew would fall? First, we examine two facts. God is good and free will exists. Next, we looked at God's eternal plan of salvation, which took into account humanity's failure and redemption through Lord Jesus. But now we must ask the question, why and to what end? Section 3. God is working toward a renewal of all things for His glory. In our podcast series, What is the Story of the Bible?, we learned that all of history is leading to the moment in which Lord Jesus will return a second and final time. At his return, humans will be resurrected, some to eternal life, others to eternal separation from God. When Lord Jesus returns, he will make all things new, ushering in a new heavens and a new earth. And the end goal of this renewal is so that God will once again dwell with his people like he did in the Garden of Eden. And when this happens, all of creation will once again worship and glorify God. Our orientation will be permanently and finally corrected as we love God, love neighbor, and love creation perfectly. This means, of course, that all things have been created and allowed for the renewal of all things and for God's glory. Lord Jesus confirms this himself and confirms that his own death and resurrection will be for the glory of God. John chapter 17 verses 1 through 5. Jesus spoke these things, looked up to heaven, and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that the Son may glorify you, since you gave him authority over all people, so that he may give eternal life to everyone you have given him. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. I have glorified you on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world existed. Now, the realization that God is leading all things towards renewal for his glory 
can be difficult for us to comprehend. We are left to ask questions like, Why did this terrible thing happen to me? Or, Why did this awful thing happen to this people group or to that country? See, from our perspective, it's difficult to understand how the wrongs of this life are leading toward the renewal and glorification of God. And yet, out of a hundred terrible things that we might see in this world, we will never actually see the thousand or million amazing and glorious things produced from them. What God causes, what God permits, and what God allows are all things that are working toward and for His glory. But we have to remember the difference between us and God is perspective. Let's take a look at our world for one moment. Right now, we live in a world that constantly bombards us with negative news through social media. And we know how the algorithms of social media work. The second we click on a video or advertisement, we send a signal to the artificial intelligence to send us more videos and advertisements like the one we just clicked. And yet every day, we find ourselves going down rabbit holes, being bombarded with the same message over and over again. And that message is this. No good is happening anywhere, and all is lost. But you see, we know that although things may seem bleak based on our news feeds, God is at work bringing positive change to this world while at the same time allowing all things to happen for His greater purposes and ultimately for His glory. Let's think about this another way. Have you ever accidentally zoomed way in on a picture on your computer? Well, if you have, you know that the more zoomed in you are, the more you realize that the picture makes less and less sense. But what happens as you gradually zoom out? As you zoom out, all the square pixels begin to make shapes. Shapes become more visible and details emerge until you can finally make out the entire image this is the difference between how we see the world versus how God views everything. Our world is a zoomed-in world. Maybe we can make out a couple things here and there, but by and large, we don't know how one thing connects to another, and we certainly don't have the bigger picture. But God sees all things. He allows all things to bring him greater glory. And he knows that a negative event over here or over there is going to produce a hundred good things somewhere else and is leading towards renewal and glorification. In the Gospels, those who were afflicted could only see their pain and their afflictions. They could never have guessed that by being healed by Lord Jesus, their stories would be written down 
so that billions of people throughout time might come to faith and experience true healing through belief in Lord Jesus. Matthew chapter 4, verses 23 through 25. Now Jesus began to go all over Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Then the news about him spread throughout Syria. So they brought him all those who were afflicted, those suffering from various diseases and intense pains, the demon-possessed, the epileptics, and the paralytics. And he healed them. Large crowds followed him from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. So, we revisit our question for today. Why would God create a world he knew would fall? Ultimately, the answer is because he loves all of us. He loves us so much that he created us with free will, knowing we would fall. He loves us so much that his eternal plan revolved around sending his son to take on flesh and accept a penalty humanity deserved. God loves us so much that what he causes, what he allows, and what he permits ultimately are leading us toward renewal and eternal life with God. Well, once again, thank you so much for joining me. I hope and pray that as you continue to seek God, you ask for visions and clarity on all these Christian claims. And if you would like some good resources on the material I covered today, I recommend taking a look at Orthodoxy by G.K. Chesterton, the New American Commentary on Acts by John Polhill, and the Dictionary of Bible Themes by Martin Manser. I also recommend the CSB Study Bible, which of course is also the Bible translation I use. And if you don't have a Bible, I recommend downloading the YouVersion app and selecting the CSB version from the list of translations. That's YouVersion, as in Y-O-U version. And that sound means it's about time to wrap up. Before we close our time together, I want to remind you to hit that subscribe button and leave a review. The more reviews the podcast receives, the more it comes up as a recommendation for others. And the more it comes up as a recommendation for others, the more other folks get a chance to hear answers to their thoughtful questions. And speaking of questions, if you have a specific question you want addressed on this podcast, feel free to email me at revericjmason at gmail.com. And currently, if you want to support this podcast, you'll have to email me at the same email address again. That is revericjmason at gmail.com. I also encourage you to reach out to a Christian friend or coworker and ask them about the things you hear on this podcast. And if you hear something about Islam you didn't know before, research it or ask your Muslim friends or imam about it. From my home recording studio in the Little India neighborhood in Chicago, Illinois, to wherever you're listening, I want to say thank you so much for continuing our conversation. Thank you, and God bless. 